It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the program. Josh still out today across from me in the KFG studios, founder of Corhorn Financial Group and one of our CFPs, Kevin Corhorn. Do you have kids in college? If you don't, do you know someone who does have kids in college? If you can answer yes to either one of those questions, you are in for a real treat today because we've got three financial tips for those of you that have kids in college. Why'd you have to say treat? I'm already, I'm hungry. I know. Well, oh goodness. All right. If you have any questions for the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so a few different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. <laughs> Kevin, go to YouTube and uh, check out the show. So Kevin's got a uh, a little disposable cup there and put the KFG brand on it's it. It's a KFG mug. And jeez, it looks like my three-year-old wrote that, by the way. So 574-222-2000. You can find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. Submit questions that way. And then all over social media, we're there as well. You can submit questions there if you'd like. All right, quick public service announcement The FAFSA application opens October 1st. The free application for federal student aid opens October 1st. Now, you might say, wait a second, kids are already in college. I know this is for next year, next year, for the 2022-23 college year. And the free application for federal student aid, that's not the only program there's what what is it uh the cch as well i can't remember that one oh, some friends of mine are gonna be mad that i'm not bringing it up but so there's a couple different applications you may want to fill out but the fafsa is is like you've got to fill that one out okay and any financial awards they come first it's first come first surf so get it in there okay you're going to use your tax information from the most recently filed year So it's going to be your 2020 tax info for college school year 2022-2023. So log into the FAFSA system, geez, right after October 1st and get get it started. All right. On top of that sort of public service announcement, that little little tip, you know, managing the finances when you've got a child or a grandchild or, you know, someone's in college. It's really, really complicated, and so we've—it's just got me thinking. What are the kind of the big three financial tips that the wisdom we'd want to impart on you if you've got kids or grandkids in college? And that's what we're going to hit today as sort of our, our headlining topic. So the first one is maximizing your tax credits. Now, Kevin, I don't want a monologue here. I got okay. a, a pretty incredible story. Um, about a, a situation with some clients where they just we just were high fiving uh, about achieving the financial the college goal for their their two kids, and we leverage as we were talking about hey as I was hey you know great job sacrificing I can't you know the plan came together and we stayed on track with the retirement and paying the mortgage off as well I mean guys you've got to feel great about this 
um, they, you know, said, oh, yeah, you know, thank you very much, blah, blah. And then they also said yeah, it was a lot due to the, the tax credits. Yes, there's all this talk about free college and all sorts of stuff. Guys, the American Opportunity Credit, what Kevin's going to explain in just a second, that can help you with $2,500 of tax credit back on your tax return each year. And what we did is we structured it so that they were saving about 50 bucks a month into a 529 plan for their child. Now, that didn't cover the whole thing, but that went, you know, that, that helped, okay? Then the um, we were using that uh, American Opportunity Tax Credit we were using that plus some other savings to fund a 529 plan every year, which was getting them another $1,000 tax credit. So we were getting $3,500 of college tax credits every year in addition to the 50 bucks that they had already been saving. And then grandma and grandpa were doing a 529 as well so they could get a tax credit. And all of that together, they helped cover tuition, the student took out loans and whatever to do um, room and board, and it worked. The, the child, and, and not only he hustled, got it done in three years instead of four or five, but all in all graduated with eh, around 10000 of student loans, and mom and dad didn't have any financially were able to stay on track with all their goals, a lot of it leveraged from tax credits. Yeah, and I would want to just briefly explain the difference between a deduction and a credit. So yeah. a deduction is a if I have a thousand dollar deduction, it's a dollar for dollar reduction in the amount of income that I pay taxes on. So that helps if I'm in the twenty percent tax bracket. A thousand dollar deduction saves me two hundred bucks. A credit is far superior to a deduction because a credit is a dollar for dollar reduction in the amount of taxes that I owe. So if I have a thousand dollar credit, I get a th- I save a thousand dollars. That's right. And then when I think about credits, I my question is always, well, is it a refundable credit? In that if I don't owe any taxes, can I still get the money back? And so for we're talking in, in this context about the American Opportunity Tax Credit. And you can bring your tax bill down to zero, and then you can have 40% of the remaining credit, up to 1000 bucks, refunded to you. Yeah. So here's how the American, just the 10,000-foot the view, 100% of the first $2,000 of qualified expenses. Tuition. Plus, and some fees, yep. Yep. Plus 25% of the expenses in excess of 2000 So the maximum annual credit per student is $2,500. So think about it this way. Uh, you, you've got, if you spend $4,000 on tuition, you get 2500 of that back uh, in a tax credit. Now, you've got to qualify, and this to me is going to get me on a soapbox about how the middle class is getting absolutely squeezed. Ouch. And that just continues. But the American Opportunity Credit, you you are eligible for it for a married couple if your adjusted gross income is below, what is it, 165000 And then it starts being reduced. And if you're above, I think it's 180 or 185 then it's gone completely. Guys, for as long as the American Opportunity Credit has been in existence, those have been the thresholds. 
Mm-hmm. So people are making more money or whatever, inflation's there. This is not less, fewer and fewer people are qualifying for this extremely important tax credit every single year because they haven't adjusted this thing for inflation. Gets me fired up. And mm-hmm. just because I think people, I mean, the aid this is supposed to be there to help families juggle the cost of college and it's it's helping fewer and fewer. So from a a financial planning standpoint, are you right on the bubble? Could you increase what you're saving into your 401k to make sure you're below that bubble? Could you max out your HSA just for a couple of years so that you're below that bubble? Could you do something else that brings synergy to all six areas of your financial life, but also helps you maximize this tax credit? That's the proactive tax plan you need to be doing. Right. And so when we meet with new clients, new prospective clients, and we say, who helps you with your tax planning? I think I might be able to count on one hand the number of folks who said they're getting help with tax planning. So tax planning is incredibly important. I just was meeting with some folks where he's now making more money. But when we looked at their previous year uh, tax return, they made just too much to get credits for their two kids that were in college, and they didn't save up into an IRA or an HSA or a 401k. They easily could have, could have, they had the resources to do it. They missed out, and they missed out on this free money, this tax credit. It's not really free, but it's tax credit mm-hmm. that they could have gotten from the American Opportunity Credit. So, oh, just gets me going. All right, maximize your tax credits, but we've got two other financial tips for those of you with kids in college. That and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. You have kiddos or grandkids in college or they're about to be in college, a lot of financial complexity. What are some financial tips you need to be aware of? We're helping you with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at. We are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show and follow us there. Okay, so we're helping you with college today. The first three tips, well, you know, and then a bonus public service announcement. If you've got a kiddo, grandkid in college, help them get started on the FAFSA application. Opens October 1st. That's for the 2022-23 school year. Uh, aid is first come, first serve. So go, 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 go. Yeah. Do that. All right. Get her done. Um, so the first step, maximize tax credits. We're talking about the American Opportunity Credit. Kevin calls it AOC. He just loves that uh, those initials. Um, so it's the American Opportunity Credit is there for the first four years of college or and not really the first four. You can only claim it four years. So that applies for four years. It's the it, it's a better credit. I said that the Adjusted gross income limit was 165 to 185. It's actually 160 to 180. It's a little bit worse than that. So work with your CEFP on that. Um, after, so if you're in grad school or you do um, play some college hockey and then end up doing five years in college, like I did, um, what do you do after four years? Lifetime learning credit is another option. It's not as good. It's a 20% tax credit on the first 10,000 of qualifying expenses. So the full benefit, you got to pay more for college to get a lesser benefit than the American Opportunity Tax Credit, but it's still there. Kevin, what are some of the ineligible expenses towards the, do you still have that list up? 
ineligible expenses downfield. Uh, room and board, transportation, insurance, medical expenses, student fees, unless required as a condition of enrollment or attendance. I went to Central Michigan University, and they had this $45 per semester fee to use the facilities, which is why I said, okay, if you're going to charge me that, um, that's my contribution from here on out and forever. So yep. same expenses paid uh, with the tax-free educational assistance uh, or tax deductions, things like that. So got it. Got it. Work with your CFP on that. I just try, sort of boil it down to, okay, think $4,000 on tuition. Okay. Tuition fees. Okay. The next tip though, is sort of right in line with this. And that is know when to fund a 529 plan and also know when to fund a Roth IRA, both for college. Now the 529 plan, at least in Indiana and many other states has some tax benefits as well. So Kevin, ex explain the 529 plan or at least how it works in Indiana. So in Indiana, my belief is that the, the Indiana 529 plan is the sweetest 529 plan in existence. If you pay state taxes in the state of Indiana, you are eligible for up to a thousand dollar credit if you put you can get a thousand dollar credit if you put five thousand dollars in the plan. So if you pay a thousand dollars of Indiana state taxes and you want to zero that out, put five thousand dollars in a five twenty nine plan. If you do that, you say, well, what then what can I do? You could put that in in any given year and pull it out that same year. So I can't tell you the number of times I met with a new prospective client. And they've said, well, you know, we've got some kids in college right now, blah, blah, blah. And you say, well, what about the 529 plan? And they say, the huh? And so you explain the 529 plan to them and how they can put $5,000 in, back that money right back out, use it for expenses that year, and they get the $1,000 credit. It really is, you know, you're always told growing up, if it seems too good to be true, it is. This is too good to be true, but it's actually true. That's right. And so the point here with this tip is know when to fund a 529 plan. So a couple couple components of that. Number one, it the, your contribution has to be made during the calendar year. So I think by just just think by Christmas, okay? By Christmas you got to throw the money in there. You can do it after Christmas, but you better hope no man. Don't don't do it. Don't, we just had this. We I had know. this last year. I know. I and, know. And, and we had the postmarks, we had all this stuff. And it was an absolute soup sandwich. So I would say do it. If if it makes sense to do it and do you're it. listening to it, do it right now. Yep. Sit down, write the check, and you say, hey, cash flow, it's a little tight. Hey, write the check. If you've got current year expenses, write the check and pull it out. Right. So so that's the other piece of when to fund the 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 529. You might think, well, I got a kid in college. I'm paying for college right now. I'm, I'm done with the saving. I'm in the pain portion. No, 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 no. You still want to get that tax credit. So if you can, still put the money in there. Now, some states, Michigan, for example, you get a tax deduction on your country, a state tax deduction, so not a credit, a state tax deduction. So good, but not great. But it's, a, it's, it's on the net amount of contributions and withdrawals. So for Michigan, you throw 10 grand in there, Okay, awesome. You should be eligible for the credit, or excuse me, for the deduction. But then when you pull ten grand out because you got to use it for that next semester, your net contribution zero. Therefore, your net deduction is zero. Not so with the Indiana five twenty nine plan. Um, now, when to fund a Roth IRA? Now, this is interesting. 
you got to work with your certified financial planner to see what's the best way for you to be saving up for college if that's a goal, if your goal is to help with some of the educational expenses. Many times, it's going to make sense to do the 529 plan if there's a state tax, tax benefit involved. And that's the other good thing about the 529, the Indiana 529. There's no income limitation on that. You can make a zillion dollars, still get that $1,000 tax credit. But in, I'm gonna, in a handful of cases, I, not few, but a decent amount, it may make sense to also be sure you're funding a Roth IRA as either help for college or potential help for college. So work with your certified financial to see certified financial planner to see if you should do that. When to do that? If you or your student has the opportunity to get some actual financial aid through the FAFSA program, the amount of cash you or your student just keep in the bank counts against you a lot significantly mm-hmm. cash in the bank uh, in addition to income count the most towards uh, against your ability to earn financial aid well what about a Roth IRA excluded it's not counted at all not counted at all so let me say that more succinctly if you're eligible meaning you've got enough earnings so your kid in college would need to have some wages but you don't make too much, you could take money from the bank, put it in the 529 plan. Now you could be eligible for more financial aid. And then you could turn around, you could turn around the next year and even use, consider using some of that 529 plan money towards your college expenses. Distributions from, I said 529, I meant Roth IRA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Roth IRA. Distributions from a Roth IRA count against you towards financial aid. So you need to do contribute to the Roth in one year, pull it out the next year, but still eligible. You you could do it. Yeah, the Roth when you think Roth IRA, think Swiss Army knife. It it is a an incredibly versatile tool. It's a tool. So you might have people saying, Oh no, 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 I would never use a Roth IRA for that. Good. Good on you. Don't, yeah, absolutely. Don't, don't do it then. Don't do but it. But it does make sense to consider all of your options and the money that you put into your Roth IRA is different than everything else you're used to. The money I put into my Roth IRA, let's call that my basis, I can pull my basis out at any time, no tax consequence whatsoever. And if you're if you're a college student right now and you've worked some part-time or you've got some earnings in uh you know from the summer, contribute to the Roth. Contribute to the Roth because then all of that growth, if you leave that growth in that 529 plan, that money's going to have more doubles on it. It, it'd be very easy to see $1,000 turn into $50,000 by the time you retire, and all of that growth would be tax-free. So, you've, oh, gosh, you gotta, you got to consider it. More financial tips for you that have kids in college. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Our top three tips financially helping you with, for, for those of you that have kids in college, maybe grandkids in college, we're helping you with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn. If you've missed anything, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Search the Wise Money Show. And when you're there, rate it. 
we appreciate that. So first tip, if you've got kids in college, well, bonus tip, start the FAFSA FAFSA application. Uh, It opens October 1st, but then the first real tip, make sure that you're maximizing your tax benefits. So that's American Opportunity Credit, that's Lifetime Learning Credit, even possibly a 529 tax credit as well. Second, make sure you know when to fund the Roth, uh, when to fund a 529 plan and when to fund a Roth IRA for college. So work with your CFP on that. The third financial tip for those of you that have kiddos or even grandkids in college, manage the risks of your pseudo adult, in air quotes, manage the risks that they carry when they go back to school. This could be getting proper insurance in place, but it's also getting something called a power of attorney in place. So Kevin, share a little bit about the power of attorney, why it's needed for those college kids. Well, there's there's really a couple different types of powers of attorney. One is a financial power of attorney, and one is a healthcare power of attorney. And you say, well, why do I need to have that for my child? And I can tell you this, when you think of financial frustrations, my wife would tell you there's nothing more frustrating than trying to call and administrate things financially for our household and being told by the person on the other end of the line, well, you're not Kevin, I'm not going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that, that chaps Lori's. Yeah, sure. So... Uh, so that is that is a frustrating thing. Well, as a parent, you do not want to be in a position where in the event that your adult child, who might be several states away, needs some sort of either financial help or medical help, and you are not in a position to do that. So what a power of attorney does is it puts you in a position where in the event that your child is unwilling or unable to make financial decisions or medical decisions, you can step in and make those decisions on their behalf. So Kevin mentioned there's two types. And the so the durable, or they call it financial power of attorney, you're the one paying the bills. And yet you have really no authority to call the bursar's office or or the whoever's managing the payments financial aid or whatever you have no authority to say hey what's uh that your best bet is to have your student grant you online access through a special you know i've seen this for some for some folks where they can uh, share their tuition statement with a with a third party and they list you as the parent but you have no authority what if something happens your student gets in some financial trouble. Mm-hmm. What if they get in a health problem and and there's some financial decisions or action that needs to be taken? You have no authority when they need your help. Now, this durable power of attorney, you can set it up so that you immediately have the authority when they put their John Hancock on it, or you can set it up where it doesn't spring, that authority doesn't come to life until you can prove, someone can prove that they're not able to make their own uh, financial decisions. Listen, you brought this human being into the world. Mm -hmm. Yes, you've got this choice, but do me a favor. Do the springing power, or excuse me, do the immediate power of attorney. The Mm -hmm. one where automatically you have the authority. Because if there's a crisis where you need to exercise that authority, going through the hoops of getting two doctors and possibly a guardianship or whatever to say, 
yeah, they can't take it. They can't make their own financial decisions. You're losing precious time and money in an urgent situation. So that durable or financial power of attorney should be set up as immediate. Absolutely. Because you say, well, what are the odds? What are the odds that I would need that? They're actually pretty good. Uh, the CDC study says 17% of young adults end up in the emergency room each year. And I think, well, is that really true? Absolutely it's true. We're driving back from Key West in the motorhome we'd rented on spring break. Todd Wig pulls the, 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 the support for the table up, and he's so strong, he pulled it up right into his forehead. Oh, you're kidding. And, nope, and he needed stitches. So we had to divert uh, in Miami, and he had to get stitches. Well, if it had been worse and he wasn't able to make decisions for himself, they would have said, who is able to make those decisions? We would, none of us. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Kevin's cousin, a close friend of mine, that's how Kevin and I met, actually. <laughs> Let's just say he, I mean, the, the truth is he fell down, and it happened to be right on a stick. Not kidding. Punctured a lung. Punctured Along now, it just turns out that TJ is the toughest man alive, <laughs> and so he was able to contain himself and make decisions and all that sort of stuff. Go to the ER and take care of it. But my goodness, um, what about me? I, so I played a little college hockey, and in the equivalent of the blue gold game at Notre Dame, so the inter squad scrimmage that kind of kicks off practice, uh, I had an injury. I went and checked someone. And broke my collarbone, separated my shoulder, needed to be rushed to the ER. Now I was conscious and awake and everything, and they misdiagnosed me, but, you know, that's okay. Um, but still, I was able to make my own decisions. There's all sorts of stories, and mm -hmm. if you're looking for a good story, I did a Next Why Step video on this very topic a couple of weeks ago and have the most hilarious story about a friend of mine needing to go to the ER and why you'd need this sort of power of attorney. So, so go check that out. And and just, just and, and here's the really the best example of that. Many of you remember the Terry Schiavo case, and there was issues because her husband said, "I want to remove her from uh, sustaining measures," and her parents said, "No, no, no, we we don't want her removed from those." And if she had specified her wishes while she was be prior to uh, being in a coma, mm -hmm. it would have been absolutely clear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, these, these types of legal documents, and here's the thing, you might never have this. Right. You, you, you might be part of the 83% that never end up in the emergency room. So your folks never need that, that coverage uh, or, or those things in place. I would say where when it comes to the kids I wouldn't I usually say wear a belt and suspenders when it comes to teenagers like wear coveralls yeah really those those can't fall down yeah so uh so the the we've we've focused on the durable or financial power of attorney but the healthcare power of attorney right that's a second mm -hmm. that's another document we're also talking about that too now that one is it has to be springing okay so you don't have the authority to give someone else healthcare decisions over you at any time. It can only be when you're unable to make your own your own healthcare decisions. But you've got to make sure that there's a HIPAA release in it. And if there wasn't a more clear time that this was needed, COVID. I mean, think about being unconscious, being intubated. 
someone's got to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you're age 18 or above, someone might still be caring for you, but legally have no authority to even know what's going on, let alone help make decisions. So your college students need a durable power of attorney and they need a healthcare power of attorney as well. Do they need a full estate plan? I could make a case. I could make a case. And so if you're doing estate planning with an estate plan attorney and your CFP, it might make sense to just get a basic will in place so that if something happens and they pass away in an accident or something like that, and and there's some payout that there's some instructions as to how that money should go, that may make sense. Work with your certified financial planner on what provisions need to be made, which documents need to be in place, and who has those authorities, and get that taken care of. All right, lots more to come here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here, folks. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn. If you're not a subscriber to the YouTube channel, go check it out. We've got all the dad jokes anyone can handle <laughs> between segments. You just missed a good one. Eh, not so good from, from Kevin. So every episode of the Wise Money Show is on YouTube as well as a bunch of other content. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it. Turn on notifications so you're made aware when we drop videos, which we do about six a week. A lot of content, so go check that out. All right, we're into listener questions. And first question was posted on our YouTube channel from, I'm going to say Noel. Uh, What type of small business retirement plan should I choose if I have four employees, but I want to offer a retirement plan for only one of the employees and myself? Noel, thanks for your question. That is a great question. Um, and there, this is a very complicated uh, topic, and we could, we could take it and make it even more complex, but we're going to break it down and make it simple. There are ways to have plans that allow you to discriminate, and I'm not saying that in a negative term, but if you say, hey, you want to take care of yourself and you want to take care of a super key employee, there are plans that would allow you to do that. Um, you know, you would seriously have to have a, a a meaningful amount of money to do that. There's yeah. non-qualified deferred comp plans. Those are very comp- complicated. They're very costly, and they've got lots of limitations and provisions because the uh, the the retirement plan business and the laws are set up to have things you know be equal, like to to not really. Um, leave other people out, right. but you can set up some key person benefits. So, yeah. so that is, I'm just going to say that's possible, Noel. You might not like it, right? You here's why you might not like it. You have to be, you have to be seriously, seriously profitable. And sometimes in the life cycle of a small business, they're seriously, seriously profitable, and they do something that makes sense. And then two years from now, you're your profit margin got squeezed because of a competitor, because the market changed, or because you decided that you want to go into growth mode and spend money, and so you have fewer profits. So this is where you say, well, then that plan that I set up a couple of years back doesn't make a lot of sense. So I would I would tell you there's a – let's talk about two different employer-sponsored retirement plans that 
could make sense um, because I might be able to convince you, Noel, if we were sitting across the table from each other, that you could consider one of these two plans. The first plan is a simple IRA, and that's an acronym. It stands for Savings Incentive Match Plan for Employees. Now, the thing that I like about that is it's simple and it's inexpensive, and the the administrative burden is really on the participant and on the the sponsor, whoever's helping the sponsor with this. So if the advisor, you, the advisor. Yep. So let's the, so it's on the advisor and the part. It's between the advisor and the participant. The employer's role in that is they need to do a three percent match. Just mm-hmm. and it's. It, there's more to it than that, but let's, for our purposes, a 3% match. So, Perfect. Right. So the, what I don't like about that, there are two things. Uh, there is, there's a smaller limit, a smaller amount that I can put in, 13.5. 13.5. And today. then if you're 50 year older, it's 16.5, I believe. So. Yep. So that's a, there's a smaller limit compared to a 401k. And then I only have a pre-tax option. So when you, a lot of times when you come to your retirement plan at work, you decide when am I going to pay the taxes? Am I going to pay the taxes later? If you're going to pay taxes later, you do pre-tax. Or if I bring, am I going to pay the taxes now? If you're going to do that, then you're putting money in after tax. That's not an option with the simple IRA. Right. And the third thing is, is you don't have a loan provision on the simple IRA. That's the third thing you don't like out of the two you. <laughs> yes. Yes, they're 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 multiplying like rabbits here. So, uh, and I could keep going but I'll, I'll stop there. So, it doesn't have a loan provision and people are like, "Oh, you should never take a loan from your 401k that's your future self for time whatever." Listen, it's a tool. I don't go to the tool chest and say, "I hate the drill and love the hammer." You should never use that chainsaw. Right. Never. Oh, right, right, right. you need to cut down the tree. Right. So, um, so 401k, it, you'd say the opposite of that. They have, they have, it's a bigger bucket you can throw some money into. It's, um, you, you have the Roth option, pretty Roth. much automatic. So before tax, after tax, you have a loan provision. Here's the problem as an employer w- with a small business. If you're a, an employer with a small business with a startup plan, there aren't a lot of um, retirement plan providers that are interested in the startup plan. So you need to make sure you're working with an excellent retirement plan advisor. Corey Johnson in our office uh, does that, and yeah. he could he can get you connected with the right one because um, if you get connected with the wrong one, you'll absolutely pay through the nose. Yeah, yeah. So lots of flexibility with the 401k, just not as much flexibility with the cost unless you're working with the right folks. Um, mm-hmm. Not as much flexibility with the simple, but it's almost free to set up and yeah. If you if you said it's free, you're closer to right yep. than not. And when you think as an employer, what are you on the hook for? Think a three percent match with the simple IRA. Think a four percent match with the four hundred one k. We it's seldom that we set up a four hundred one k without the four percent match because the four percent match puts you into the safe harbor. Yep. And it allows people to fully contribute. And if you say, no, I really, I've got, I've got four employees and myself, and there's a key person and myself that really are the ones that would benefit. And I, I, those are the folks that I'm really doing this for. Still consider doing a simple or a 401k. And the folks that you really want to benefit, consider giving them a bonus or 
or something like that where you are blessing them and they've got and then yet everyone has access to a 401k or a retirement plan so good question next question is also on the youtube channel from big red appreciate it all right if you have pmi private mortgage insurance can it be smart to pay down your mortgage to get uh to to get 20 percent equity we just had some folks from a local bank actually one of the largest national chains for mortgages and they came by and did a lunch and learn and uh some good local barbecue just gonna just gonna say that just throw that out there uh, that we were talking about this because i called pmi herpes it's tricky because Ow. I, when you get that when you start with pmi it can be really really complicated to get rid of it okay this is that flare up and it just doesn't really go away <laughs> um so pmi it's an extra fee that you have to pay to the bank or to your lender and they use that to manage the risk of you defaulting on your loan and listen the house they've got to now they take possession of the house but there's not as much equity they have to sell it for less than it's really worth and therefore they don't even get all their money back right mm -hmm. on the on what they loan to you so you got to pay extra fees doesn't go towards your mortgage doesn't whatever it's just extra cost so i i don't I, I don't like paying extra costs all right so how do you avoid private mortgage insurance you got to have 20 percent equity well geez that works pretty well when the fed's printing all this stinking money mm -hmm. so it's not that easy um many banks have provisions where you're you've got to pay pmi for three years regardless regardless of whether you now have 20 percent equity you've got to pay it for three years some have five years some only have one then when you do have 20 percent of uh of equity you then have to go through an application sometimes they charge a fee for that I, in every case i've seen there's a fee to get pmi off of uh 350 bucks something like that there's some sort of fee other lenders say you can't you can't count appreciation in the market value of your house to increase the equity even though it's it, your your house could you know you could get an updated appraisal it could be better some banks say no we're going to base it on the value at the time you got your your loan in place so i would just be very careful with pmi i would try to avoid it as much as possible and then once you have it, it might stay with you for a lot longer than you thought. I'm bringing all of that up, Big Red, because it's not as simple as just paying extra on the mortgage to get out from under PMI. Know all of your provisions. What would be awful is if you were able to get some tax benefits or even some additional tax credit for saving up for retirement. But instead of doing that, you put money down on your mortgage to free up PMI, and then you can't free up PMI because there's some other conditions in place. So understand the provisions first. Would you add anything, Kevin? Yeah, I would say uh, lean in to your financial life and your financial situation. PMI, it, private mortgage insurance, it's it's jargon. And you're like, why, why do I even need to know this? I've seen the situation where a client was paying $350 a month in private mortgage insurance, and they didn't even realize it. Now that is atypical. Typically, you're going to see a charge somewhere between seventy-five and one hundred twenty-five bucks a month-ish. Would you? Yep. 
Yep, and so, that range. so that's what you would see. And so you're like, well, seventy five bucks a month. That's nine hundred bucks a year. Should I pay nine hundred bucks a year because I'm at I'm a higher risk, or should I get myself out of higher risk mode? And this is why you have to work with your certified financial planner to figure out what's the best thing to do. Because like Mike said, if you did that, but you missed out on extra either child care credits or child tax credits because you didn't put more money into your retirement plan or you left a thousand bucks on the table because you didn't fund a 529 with your college student. Um, So there are all of these things where you say, you want to lead an integrated financial life and make it all work together. Yep, that's right. We got a, a we got several other questions here. Oh man, so, so good. But I'm gonna hit a quick one here due to time. Rick on YouTube also. Uh, I'm on Medicare, but my wife needs a health insurance bridge, meaning between her working years and being eligible for Medicare, she needs some coverage. Is her health insurance premium based on just her income? Or our entire family's income. I'm it's entire family's income. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's based on your modified adjusted gross income. Yep. And what that means is you can't get there from here. <laughs> so this is where you need to work with one of our health insurance pros to because they understand the planning aspects, but really that's the that's the implementation strategy-wise, work with your certified financial planner. I mean, we're doing this all the time, building these these bridges for Social Security, uh, bridges for health insurance. That's the strategy. And yeah, if, uh, if one of you is eligible for Medicare, but the other one isn't, premium tax credits are vitally important. You're going to want to make sure you're managing your income and taxes so that you get that. So... All right. Thanks for all the questions, guys. We're going to hit even more next week. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, myself, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.